ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned in to His Heart Line. Thank you for joining us. Where every day we have something going on. Whether it's 1% with him, a His Heart Line discussion, or perhaps a Brandenburg Block Hour. Don't forget to check out the website, www.hisheartline.com. You can also find us on Podbean. But we are here six out of the seven days a week. You're just trying to get Jesus in people's hearts to tell you how to assemble your nation, how to get your nation back, how to restore the republic, how to take accountability for your own life, and to finally be free. You know, the problem is, is that there's just too many people out there that just want to complain. They don't want to be part of the solution. They just want to whine and whine and whine and blah, blah, blah. You know, they just want to cry, cry, cry. But you know what? I tell those people, once you get off to the sidelines, grab your little juice box, go sit down, suck your thumb, and watch the real men and women get after it. Because if all you're going to do is complain, then what, then what good are you? Be part of the solution. Don't sit there and cry about it. Don't sit there and contribute to the problem or, you know, say you got the solution. Why don't you be part of it? Get involved with your assembly. But first, why don't you get involved with God? Because that's where it starts. you got to get involved with God. you got to get involved with Jesus Christ. Invite Him in your heart, because we can't turn this nation around unless we all point to God. God has to be centered at everything we do. I don't think many people realize just how important that little detail is. God has to be centered at the heart of everything. I mean, if we have any chance of turning this country around, that's the way it has to be. And remember what it says in Joshua 1.9. I command you, be firm and steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Welcome to His Hard Line, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the hosts, they are the ones in charge, and they are the ones at the wheel. Therefore, they are steering the ship through these crazy, chaotic waters that we call life. So welcome. Glad to have you all here. Remember, like I always say, as long as you put your trust 100% in Christ and God, they will steer your personal ship into that safe harbor so you can anchor and get your feet on solid dry land and finally have peace and refuge. So welcome. You're joined here at His Heart Line with another episode of 1% with Him, and we are going to be reading out of the book of Isaiah, continuing on with that. It's a very long book, but it's a great book, and we are going to be venturing on to chapter 13, and that's about 22 verses, so nothing too crazy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to try to start sticking with uh, doing lives more along the 7 to 7.30 range, depending on if it's one or two shows. I'm trying to make sure I still maintain a good balance uh, for my family, for my wife, my daughter, um, especially now with winter time coming around. It's just, it's hard to try to get, stay structured into doing a 3 or 3.30 start time because now with the snow, like today, for example, I was stuck at work for about an hour longer because we just we didn't get as much as Buffalo, but boy, oh boy, we certainly got pounded enough to put, I don't know, I must have counted at least, well, I must have counted at least nine or 10 semis that were jackknifed and, you know, put in a ditch along with probably another 18 or 19 cars. I lost count after a while, but it was pretty much a, a pretty brutal day on the roads to say the least, because even though we didn't get this kind of snow that Buffalo, New York is getting right now. When we get this lake effect off Michigan, we get these straight line wind. I shouldn't even call them straight line because that that's rare. Straight line winds are like almost hurricane force winds. And that usually happens in the summer. But we get these pretty good gusts that come off Lake Michigan. And um, and it creates really hellacious blowing snow and whiteout uh, conditions. And it's just terrible, just terrible. And then, you know, the blowing snow really causes a, a glary glaze of ice on the roads. And it's just, it's just been one heck of a day. And I tell you, I'm kind of glad to be done, but man, this is kind of a, uh, I gotta, I gotta do it again tomorrow. So I'm really not looking forward to tomorrow, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, gas has to be delivered. You know, people need to operate on fuel. Um, and so, you know, that's what makes the world roll around, um, <clears throat> or go around, I should say. 
Which brings me kind of to something else I wanted to I wanted to discuss. Now I'm not going to discuss where this topic is originating from, just because I don't want to. <clears throat> I don't want to. Um, uh, anyway, so <clears throat> there's so in 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 certain groups that I'm in, there is a thing. Here, okay, I guess let me just say this. So within the assembly. As you all know, I'm part of the Michigan General General Assembly, and I'm not going to get into what we discuss or anything like that. But sometimes, <clears throat> as you have anywhere in any groups, right, whether if it's at work or, I don't know, in school, college, um, among friends, neighbors, even family, there always seems to be this one-upsman kind of, you know, this one-upsmanship kind of thing. And it, it, the thing that I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, pride and ego really, really is an unbecoming thing. I guess I'll start my statement with that because we live in such a weird culture where everyone wants to be validated. Everyone wants to feel important. Everyone wants to feel like they matter. And that's that's a very that's a very valid thing, right? It's 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 nice to feel validated and feel like you matter, right? This is why social media is so successful because they have a bunch of engineers and people who know, you know, they design these like buttons and sounds and stuff like that. You know, they just, they, they know, they know how to get people to be engaged and to share their life with society and their circle of friends and influence that gives them that validation. So I say all that to say this, you know, everybody has very unique, specific gifts and talents and a certain amount of uh, a lot of time. And, you know, it's just there's there's it seems like to be human nature anymore these days that people want to. Um, I, I don't know. It's really hard to explain. Just the thing of the matter is, is like, OK, like I haul fuel for a living. I guess we'll just start there. Right. Now, one could argue that a guy who hauls fuel has the most important job in the nation. Well, Jason, why would you say that? Well, because I'm the one that's the lifeblood of the nation. Without fuel, farmers couldn't plow their fields. You couldn't get diesel to the farmers. Planes couldn't get their jet fuel. Cars that are owned by everyday people in America couldn't get to and from work, also causing other means of industry to keep operating. You couldn't get food to the grocery store. There's a lot of things you couldn't, you know, you couldn't get a truck driver to deliver trusses to the construction site, which gives you the roof over your house. So one could argue that the fuel truck driver has the most important job, but another guy could say, well, wait a minute, Jason, us people that work at the refinery have the most important job because without us, you wouldn't have anything to deliver. So therefore, we're the most important. Right? And then one could say, well, hold on a second, Mr. Refinery. You guys wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for us oil field cowboys out in Texas or out in the Gulf of Mexico doing the real dangerous work of basically getting it out of the ground. But then a certain manufacturer could actually make the argument and say, well, hold on a second, Mr. Oil, uh, <clears throat> oil rigger. You wouldn't be able to afford, you know, you wouldn't be afforded the tools and necessary re resources to do your job without my manufacturing company that produces the machinery and equipment that allows you to do that. You see where I'm going at with all this? See, one can make the argument that somebody's job is more important than the next. But what we forget to realize, just like that song. Now, this I'm not really I'm not really that old. I'm only 35, going to be 36, but I claim to have an old soul. I love the group Alabama. And they have this song. I believe it's called 40 Hour Week. And you guys know what I'm talking about. It's a song from the 80s, you know. 
uh, talks about all the different jobs out there. I wish I had it queued up, but it talks about in that song how we're all spokes in a wheel that keep this nation going round and round. So where am I getting at with all this? Whether if you're in the assembly or whether if you're in your local community or wherever you're at, it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're just working in a community in general or in in your job, don't ever think that your unique talents and skills are better than anybody else's because God blesses each and every one of us with a unique talent and treasure for us to exploit and to help benefit humanity around the world and in our nation and within our own local communities. Again, it's just one of those things that's been kind of weighing on my heart. Pride and ego seems to get in the way of a lot of people. And pride and ego tends to really get in the way of good, true progress. And when I say progress, not the pro- you know progress that progressives want, which is regressive, but you know the thing of the matter is, is that if we have pride and ego that stand in our way, we can't we can't get good solid you know we can't achieve the goals that we want. We can't get the things we want done. And so it's very important that no matter who you are, what skill set you have, what set of knowledge you have. Um, what type of experience you have under your belt. And all that is very important. But we got to remember, if we allow pride and ego to get in our way, it does not matter what kind of treasure and talent you have. Nobody's going to want to work with you if you have the pride and ego the size of you know the Empire State Building. Nobody wants to work with that person. Nobody wants that man or woman around their circle of influence because it's toxic. And if I recall correctly, yeah, in fact, it's funny, Rita just said this, but if I recall correctly, I'm pretty sure pride is one of, one of the, you know, considered seven deadly sins. And she was just saying the Lord speaks uh, very clearly about pride being a sin. We all struggle at times with it and thankful the Holy Spirit convicts. Absolutely. Because, you know, I don't know. I just can't. This is, I guess, one of the reasons why I work better alone. I mean, I can be a good team player, but oftentimes it seems like a lot of people end up having, you know, they just let their pride get in their way and they get too big of an ego, too big of a head. And it's either their way or no way. It's like, well, hold on a second now. There's also a thing called let's compromise. Let's call that. Let's put both heads together. Right. You know, because here's the thing. I might think I have a really good idea, but maybe the other person might have an even better idea. But if I had pride and ego that was, you know, inflating my freaking peasy little head, it would prevent me from actually hearing an idea that could be much better than my own. See, when I used to DJ, let me tell you something. When I used to be a DJ, I sucked in the very beginning. As anybody that starts anything new, we all suck at things, right? But the thing is, is I know better that if I want to become better, I have to surround myself with the best. If I want to become a better scratch artist and mixer behind the the turntables in a nightclub, I have to surround myself with much more talented DJs than myself. You catch what I'm saying? I did not, I pushed my pride and ego aside at the time when I had pride and ego. I pushed it aside because I realized at such a young age, it's very relevant, it's very important to be able to surround yourself with people that are much better than you so you can grow better yourself. And that even includes studying the Bible. There's many more people out there that obviously know the Bible much better than me. Well, I would love to talk to those people more, gain more understanding, more clarity, more comp- uh, more comprehension of what's being uh, conveyed. I would love to be a better podcaster. So, I mean, you know, that would mean me trying to get in the ear and trying to have somebody like, um, 
I don't know. I mean, I can't think of anybody right now because, you know, everybody's got their own unique skill and talent. But my point is, if you want to be better at something, surround yourself with somebody that's better than you. But in order to do that, you have to push aside pride and ego. You have to. So anyway, and Zero in Michigan was just asking, what's the context of the pride conflict? Or is this just your wisdom lesson for the day? Well, it's kind of a combination of both. Like I said, it was just something that occurred yesterday. And just one of those things I just, you know, just when you get a conflict with a group of people, it just, it, you, you end up, you end up having a long discussion that goes nowhere and nothing gets accomplished. And it gets very frustrating. It gets very frustrating. And if we ever expect to set this nation and right the ship, we have to push that nonsense aside. And so anyway, I just felt like it was, uh, you know, cause every day before I get on the show, at least I try to anyways, I, I have this little white pocket cross and I, I, I hold on to it and I ask God before we go in the air, I'm like, God, what do you want me to talk about today? And I just felt like that was kind of relevant. Now, whether that was him telling me I should do it or just my own thoughts, I'm not sure, but it just felt right. So, so anyway, um, as far as anything beyond the scope of the reading that we're going to be doing, I'm not going to talk too much about anything. I am going to be dropping. I'm not sure yet. Cause like I said, I'm still trying to work on another project, um, on a side. I just haven't had much time just cause now winter's here and it just creates another set of circumstances that kind of eats up time unnecessarily. So, um, yeah. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm not going to be talking too much about what's going on in the fake news or, you know, deciphering more of Trump's speech. Cause there, that is interesting in of itself. There is actually a little bit more, uh, interesting things with Trump's speech and I'm going to play a soundbite. Um, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do a live, but there is a show that I'm going to drop. I'm going to make it on the back end. It's not going to be a live. Um, and so that it's, pretty much kind of goes in line with what I've been saying lately on TikTok about the intervention of military. Very interesting stuff. So, okay. So let's get to the reading. I need to find my notes. Oh, there we go. Okay. So we're going to be reading out of the book of Isaiah chapter 13. Now this first part is about prophecies about Babylon. Okay. Starting with verse one. The oracle concerning Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amaz saw, lift up a standard on the bare hill, raise your voice to tell to them, wave the hand that they may enter the doors of the nobles. I have commanded my consecrated ones, I have even called my mighty warriors, my proudly exulting ones, to execute my anger. A sound of tumult on the mountains like that of many people, a sound of the uproar of kingdoms, of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts is mustering the army for battle. They are coming from a far country, from the farthest horizons, the Lord and his instruments of indignation to destroy the whole land. Now the next part here, starting with verse 6, is the judgment on the day of the Lord. Wail for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, all hands will fall limp, and every man's heart will melt. They will be terrified. Pains and anguish will take hold of them. They will writhe like a woman. I think I'm saying that right. They will writhe like a woman in labor. They will look at one another in astonishment. Their faces aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger, to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. Thus I will punish the world for its evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will also put an end to the arrogance of the proud. See? There we go. We're talking about the proud there. I will put an end to the arrogance of the proud and abase the haughtiness of the ruthless. I will make mortal man scarcer than pure gold and mankind than the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken from its place. At the fury of the Lord of hosts in the day 
of his burning anger, and it will be like that like a hunted gazelle or like a sheep with none to gather them. They will each turn to his own people and each one flee to his own land. Anyone who is found will be thrust through and anyone who is captured will fall by the sword. Their little ones also will be dashed to pieces before their eyes and their houses will be plundered and their wives ravished. Now the next part, which is the starting with verse 17, Babylon will fall to the Medi, Med, uh, to the Medes, Medes. I'm terrible with words, certain words in the Bible. Forgive me. Starting with verse 17, Behold, I am going to stir up the Medes against them, who will not value silver or take pleasure in gold, and their bows will mow down the young men and will not even have compassion on the fruit of the womb, nor will their eye pity children. And Babylon, the beauty of kingdoms, the glory of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, it will never be inhabited or lived in from generation to generation, nor will the Arab pitch his tent there, nor will shepherds make their flocks lie down there. But desert creatures will lie down there, and their houses will be full of owls. Ostriches also will live there, and shaggy goats will frolic there. Hyenas will howl in their fortified fortified towers and jackals in their luxurious palaces her fateful time also will soon come and her days will not be prolonged and that is the full reading of isaiah chapter 1 through 22 so let's look at the uh, lessons from the text so it definitely seems like this is a little bit of poetry over darkness. Now, amidst all the woes that he is about to proclaim, God takes the time to artistically develop a dramatic scene here. And it amazes, it amazes me that in the midst of death and destruction, God retains beauty. And his poetic voice, his rich sense of depth and value is never overrun by what is happening on earth. And to the contrary, he surpasses it by painted over it with his massive skill. Who else can take the mess of society and somehow cover it with something beautiful? Well, only God can do that. God is able to take all of our human choices, all of our failures, and still weave the most beautiful tapestry for his good purpose. Now, we need to make no mistake here, though. Even though, even when it seems that only cruelty and human devices are ruling, we got to remember God is sovereign putting people and circumstances in place to direct creation to his divine goal, which is redemption. And I really truly believe that's exactly what we're seeing happen nowadays with the, you know, in, in modern day right now with the uh, National Assembly. You know, you look at what's going on in Brazil, for example, just kind of a little sidebar. There are so many people that are standing up because of the corruption and what has taken place down there in their nation. We're starting to see, and I know I said I wouldn't talk about you know new stuff, but it, it is kind of relevant, you know, kind of relevant to the to the reading. You know, we see what's happening in this nation. We see what's happening in Arizona. We're looking at the states that are assembling. Oregon just became assembled state. They put out their public notice uh, this last week Monday, or this past Monday, I should say. And you know, to, oftentimes it's easy for me to wonder and think, man. Are we ever going to get our states? Because sometimes it's like certain things, you know, certain doubts will creep into my mind. Thank you, Satan. And I'll start wondering, you know, will we ever get our 38 states and finally truly be a self-governing body people once and for all? But we got to remember, just like we just read here, God is sovereign. And he puts people and circumstances in place to direct creation to his divine goal. We just have to trust God that he's got this. And I think each of us, we are all situated here in, for, in this place for such a time as this. We can never forget it. We all have our part to play. This kind of goes back to the very beginning. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is definitely Holy Spirit driven because I have no notes laid out in front of me. So if you hear me sometimes stumble and stammer, that's prop, that's why I have no notes in front of me. But that's why we have to set aside pride and ego 
and humble ourselves and embrace the talent and gift and the time frame also for that matter that God has placed us in. Oh, well, I was just reading on the chat board. Newspapers were blocking the publication. Somehow Oregon got it published Tuesday morning. Huh, that's interesting. See, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. See, these people nationwide, and when I say these people, let me classify these people for a second. I'm talking about the evil, the evil entities that take the form of human beings, unfortunately. They are very well aware of what the people, we the people, in the National Assembly, in each of our respective states, California, Hawaii, Alaska, Florida, Michigan, you know, New York, Missouri, they, these people, and when I say these people, that also goes as far up as the Vatican. I'm not going to say as, as high because the Vatican is not high. In fact, the Vatican is much low, um, almost so low that it belongs in hell. But... As far to the Vatican, people, these people know what we're doing. They know when we get our 38 states, constitutionally speaking, that's three quarters of the 50 states, they know that we, the people, will actually be able to return to original jurisdiction once and for all. They'll lose their power. They'll lose their power mechanism, which means they're going to lose their propaganda machine. They're going to lose their device, you know, their divisive mechanisms that you that they use to pit one another, you and I, against each other. So, I mean, if you're a liberal and I'm a conservative, yeah, they use that kind of they use different narratives to pit us against against each other. Or if you're Native American and I'm a you know white guy, which I am, you know, they use the the old school, you know, they use there's so many different mechanisms that they use to try to make us be divided because again, united we stand, divided we fall. They are very well aware of this and this is what they've been doing for many, many decades, keeping us divided because they know if they keep us divided, we will not unite against them. Therefore, they will always have power. You see how this works. This is exactly how that works. So again, God is sovereign. And he puts people and situates circumstances in place at specific times to direct his creation to his divine goal, which is redemption. Now, while Babylon has now been destroyed, the fall of Babylon was not a supernatural overthrow by the hand of God. It was Cyrus and his army taking the capital in a political, not a physical overthrow. Now, the city was still intact after the transition of power occurred. And as Daniel records, there was hardly a battle. And in one night, the king was having a party and the city invaded the king, the king slain, and the power was given to Darius, the Median, who was under the charge of Cyrus. Now, therefore, the prophecy of the other utter destruction of Babylon points to a future event. Now, as there is no longer a kingdom named Babylon, I take the stand that this refers to the spiritual Babylon, the harlot who sits on the donkey of Revelation, who makes the nations drink of fornications and has trampled on the blood of the saints. Now, if that is not a description of the world system, I don't know what is. It is good to know that one day the corrupt society of chasing gold and earthly pleasures and at the cost of trampling down all forms of godliness will be utterly destroyed. Cannot wait to see that happen. I think we are just right around the corner from that. It's like a dog. It's, you know, it's, it's like what we've always heard. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there right now. The idea that you can only get ahead by stepping over someone else, you know, these are the ideas that fuel the world system. This is the B system. And one day God will wipe them from off the face of this earth. Amen. Now, as with all major prophecies, the person who sees it is clearly identified as well as the subject of the prophecy. Now, the word burden as we look at verse 1, is the Hebrew word masa. 
and that can refer to either a physical load that must be carried on or a prophetic declaration. As we look at verses 2 through 5, the Lord paints a battle scene. Now, he gives us a dramatic setting of lifting up a banner, calling with a loud voice, with shaking of hands and calling everybody together to make a mighty arm of the Lord against his enemy. Now, we need to note that the purpose of the army is to destroy the whole land. Whatever God does, he does thoroughly. Now, the day of the Lord is a major prophetic event. In verse 6, whenever that phrase is used, it refers to the final judgment of God. Now, ultimately, this will be the scene described in the book of Revelation. Now, at the day of our Lord, God's wrath will be made plain to all of humanity to the point that everyone's heart will melt. And all shall be so afraid and in so much pain as they realize what they have done and where they stand with a righteous and holy God. And once again, God not only tells us judgment is coming, but also gives the exact reason for it. And the theme of the arrogant being brought low begun in chapter 2 is repeated. And so in that final judgment, God will not just punish individual souls, but will punish all of creation. And so the whole world has to be purged of its sin. Now, as time goes on in the scriptures, we will see how God plans to do this. Now, that's looking at verses 9 through 11. Now, as we venture into 12, as judgment proceeds, the human race will be incredibly reduced. Like, incredibly reduced. Think about this for a second. As judgment proceeds, okay, I want you guys to think about this for a second. As judgment proceeds, the human race will be incredibly reduced. What are we seeing right now with these clot shots, these death shots they call COVID-19? There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are dying. Well, Jason, there's billions of people in the, in the world. Okay, you're right. So when you look at it from a ratio standpoint, it's not a very huge ratio, but still, look, one person is one person dead. That Just because it's somebody you don't know doesn't mean it's not relevant. That one man or woman means something to somebody. But we are seeing so many people die from these shots. Now, the numbers we're seeing, I don't think are the true numbers. That's just me speaking. That's just me speaking. Again, as judgment proceeds, the human race will be incredibly reduced. Has anybody heard of the Deagle Report? It's the Deagle Report with a D. Not like a beagle, but rhymes with beagle. Deagle Report. He had a report that showed that in the continental United States alone, by 2025, I want to say it was, I think it was 25, Destry, correct me, you'll, you'll know. But I think by 2025, I think according to his report, now the guy is dead, by the way, so that should tell you something. Maybe he was onto something. But the Deagle report, his population prediction showed that America's population will go from over 380 million to just a little over 100 million. Wow. That's, that's insane. That's insane. And that's not just here in this country. There will be a huge amount of population reductions worldwide in different countries. So again, what's verse tell what's verse 12 telling us? Well, let, let me go back to it for a second here. Verse 12. I will make mortal man scarcer than pure gold and mankind than the gold of Ophir. Again, as judgment proceeds, the human race will be incredibly reduced. Revelation gives exact numbers, telling us that at one point, a third of the population will be killed from the judgments. You can see that reference in Revelations 
crazy. Now, as we look at verses 13 through 16, the judgment, judgments begin in the heavens and cause people to be scattered and to flee, only to be caught up in war and death. And as we look at 17 through 19, the prophecy now narrows to the subject of the opening line. Babylon, God fulfilled this verse with the conquest of Babylon by Cyrus the Great, who at that time had already conquered the Medes and merged them into his empire. As we look at the last couple verses, 20 through 22, Babylon will be destroyed by the hand of God to the point that no human will be able to live there. This is an imminent prophecy as the days of Babylon shall be prolonged. That's crazy. Dester is just writing here on the chat board. God said he would never flood the world again, so now the clot shot is removing those he chose to be that he chooses to be removed. See, people on these other channels and other, you know, outlets, there's I mean, don't even get me started. I don't even want to go down this you know, down this thing right now, but there's so many out there. We'll just say so many voices that want to condemn Trump for signing off on Operation Warp Speed and getting all this stuff going. Okay, that's okay. That's fine. Listen, here's the thing. We all need to remember, first off, Trump did a great job when he was president. Now, let's not forget, he is still commander-in-chief of the armed forces. Let's remember that. He has a very specific purpose. And you got to remember, this is a very, very insane war that we are in. And this kind of plays to the the, the next podcast I'm going to drop. It's not going to be live. I'm going to just do it on the back end um, on a different program and just drop the audio file um, maybe tomorrow or Sunday. I'm not sure yet. Um, but we got to remember, God places everybody because God's a perfect God. God knows everything. He knows who's going to be doing what. He placed everyone for a certain reason, for a specific purpose at a specific time. You can use your own earthly understanding and say, well, how could Donald Trump do this? Or how can this guy do that? Or how can General Flynn do this? Or how can blah, blah, blah. Insert name here and action afterwards. Remember, the Bible tells us we should not rely on our own earthly understanding because God's reasons are much greater than we can ever comprehend. And yeah, Destry has it right. God is in charge. Yes, he is. Rita said, I have immediate family who took it. Every day I think about it. You know, Rita, me and Katie too. We have family that took it. I have grandparents that we're going to be seeing in, you know, after the new year. Both of them took it. Hook, line, and sinker. They pay attention to Fox and ABC and NBC and all that other crap. Got aunts and uncles that took it because of the job. Many friends and neighbors that took it. Me and Katie, let me tell you something. We're looked at like as the weirdest outcast ever. I don't think there's very many like we I think if we had to put a ratio on it I think it's like every 9 to every 9 to 1 every 9 people to 1 took the shot and we're looked at as weirdos that didn't take it whatever Destry's mom and youngest brother took the shots too Thankfully my mom didn't I'm pretty sure my dad and stepmom did that's a whole nother story. Don't get me started on that. Maybe I'll tell you that little story sometime, but today's not the day. <clears throat> you know, and it's funny, Rita says, God allowed me to grieve, so now I'm ready for his will. Still hard to think about it, though. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I am with you. Ron said America is the new Babylon. Yes, it is. I'm with you, Rita. I, Me and my wife, we've grieved too. Because we know what's coming. And I think that's the worst part about it. I think that's why it gets so mentally exhausting because we know the inevitable what's about to occur. We know what's going to take place. 
Oh, wow. And Rita was just saying her sister and their youngest daughter took it too. Man, that's tough. That is tough. But this is that psy war. Yeah. Patriot Eagle just said, I just, it's funny. I just came right to mind as I was reading it. This is that psy war that we're in. This is why it's so important. We have to turn to God, center God at the heart of everything we do. Praying for that discernment. Part of the psy war, there's, there's a heavy load of propaganda and just there's so many aspects to a psychological warfare, this fifth generational war that we're experiencing. I don't know what the end result looks like, but I do know this. Those who did not succumb to the institutions of man, those who did not get the clot shot, those who were, you know, they bucked against the system because they knew better. We're going to, we're going to eventually see this whole thing through 100%. It's exhausting. Yes. But we're going to see this whole thing 100% to the very end. And we are so close. I know we're this close. And I'm not trying to say that to be uh, a hopium dealer. I'm not trying to be sensational. I truly, in my heart of hearts, God, let this fall on deaf ears. If, if my intentions are not what I say they are, but I truly believe we are right there. Just pay attention what's 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 with what's going on. Zero Michigan was just asking, are those family members still alive or suffering since the jab? So for my personal family members, yes, they are all alive still. However, I will tell you, a lot of them, a very good portion of them, both on my wife's side of the family and mine, are dealing with some very serious adverse health conditions. Almost immediately after within the year. All of them. All of them. I think the only one that I can think of that didn't, isn't really getting any adverse reactions, at least not that she's been sharing, is my cousin out in uh, South Carolina. She's fairly young. She's like a few years younger than me. I haven't heard anything about her health, but... Um, and you know what? I think my uncle, who is a truck driver out in Colorado, I don't think he's had much going on either, but... By and large, the majority of our family members, yes, they've had they have had some suffering since the jab. Yeah. So it's very, very, very stressful. Ron was just saying he already lost six friends. It's very stressful. But again, we have to trust in God. We have to keep up our self-determination because the people that chose to take it or not, those who follow, like Destry was saying, self-determination, the people choose to take it or not. Those who follow a false god and take that false god's poison, well, unfortunately, they're ultimately going to be paying an ultimate price at some point. And if they're lucky enough to live, they're going to be severely crippled. Oh, zero Michigan, I stay away from that question because remember, as it states in the Bible, nobody knows the time, not even the angels. So I don't know. I just can tell you that in my heart and my own soul, and I think we all feel it. Everybody has a sense of feeling that we're there. But to put a time on that, I will not do that. That that definitely falls on uh, a blasphemy category, and I am not going to go down. I, don't, I will not touch that with a 10-foot pole. I will not touch that. But I will say that in my inner most being, I feel it. And I think you feel it too. I think I think anybody that's sitting here listening to this, I think they know how close we are because you guys all pay attention. You guys are very well aware of what's going on. You read your Bible. You pay very close attention. 
I think we're there. And we're seeing more stuff come out and being disclosed and being revealed. Fortunately, God gave us the eyes to see and the ears to hear. We just need to learn to pay attention and listen intently. And we also got to make sure that we're not being deceived. Because there's many people out there, there's many entities out there that are in this psychological war, that's in this, this operation on the other side, the bad side, that will take advantage of people like you and I and try to find a gullibility and feed us a certain lie so closely related to truth, hoping that we'll pick it up and spread that lie to 50 other people who then in turn would turn and spread it to another 50 other people and therefore continuing to muddy the waters. I, yeah, I, we got to be very careful on that. We got to be very careful. So I try to be very cautious on what I say. I try to be very careful on how I uh, discern things. Because like I said, remember, I'm a nobody. Let me just be very clear. His hard line was established by God and Jesus Christ. It was an idea that they gave me to act on. I'm just a truck driver. And yes, I say it like that for a reason. I'm just a truck driver. Now, it doesn't define who I am, but that's my occupation. Now, I am a servant of God that's doing my best to serve him and his son, Jesus Christ, to the best of my ability. I will make sure that I will not use this microphone for irresponsible purposes. That is one thing I will always try to do my absolute best. I will always try my absolute best. And yeah, you're right, Rita. I am a child of God, and yes, that is a big deal. It's a big deal to God, for sure. But as far as who Jason Jones is to Rita or to Ron or Oscar or Destry or Angie or whoever, right? Zero Michigan. I don't know your real name, but it. I am. I am a nobody, really, to you. I'm just a voice that's just trying to do God's will and trying to do God's work. But yes, I am. I am somebody special to God, and you are also somebody special to God, and we all have good specific talents that we can all benefit from. But again, back to that whole pride and ego thing. We have to dump pride and we have to dump ego if we're really going to truly embrace the true heart of Jesus to proceed forward in saving this nation and returning the republic. And so if you want to know, by the way, if you want to know more about the National Assembly, go visit national-assembly.net. We are getting the nation back. I know we're getting the nation back. We are getting this nation back. It's going to happen. So, I think we should end this in a prayer. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I think it's appropriate, first off, to say thank you for keeping me safe on the road and allowing me to return home safe and sound. Those crazy roads and a lot of accidents and truck rollovers and jackknives. And I pray to you and thank you for not letting me be one of them. Thank you for another day of life and good health. I appreciate everyone that comes here, that chooses to listen. I don't know why they listen because it's just me, but I'm glad they do. And without them, we wouldn't have a nice little community here. And so I appreciate every single soul man and woman that's in here we thank you for our good health thank you for our family and the upcoming holiday season of thanksgiving now i know a lot of us have probably been lied to to some degree or another in public schools about that holiday but i think as long as we enter this season with a pure intentions of true gratitude and thanksgiving in our heart i think that is still worthy of of celebrating 
We thank you for your son and the sacrifice that he has made for us. We thank you for blessing all of us with the gifts that you have given us and our talents. May we not waste those talents. And we pray all of this in your holy son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that is all I have for the night. And um, I hope you all have a great night or a great day if you're on the other side of the world where the sun is shining still. Um, but yeah, today was quite the uh, blustery winter day here in Michigan. Again, not like Buffalo, New York, but uh, we got our share here. But uh, maybe I'll take some pictures tomorrow or a little short video of how my truck, holy cow, let me tell you, my truck, which is not my truck, it's the company's truck, but the truck that I typically use, man, is that thing sloshy, slushy, dirty brown slop that's just packed all over that thing, all over my hoses. I mean, you would never, I had, when it freezes, I have to take a mallet and bust it all up so I can get to my hoses. I mean, it gets on there like an inch thick. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. But anyway, so I hope you all have a God, a blessed day. And again, may God bless you and your family with continued good health because good health is so important. And, uh, We'll see you back here tomorrow for another one percent with him, and uh, you have all you all have a good night. Bye bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Every day we have something going on, whether it's one percent with him, a his hardline discussion, or perhaps a Brandenburg block hour. Don't forget to check out the website www.hishardline.com. You could also find us on Podbean. But we are here six out of the seven days a week here just trying to get Jesus in people's hearts to tell you how to assemble your nation, how to get your nation back, how to restore the republic, how to take accountability for your own life, and to finally be free. steadfast. Do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go.